Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to write middles. Last week we did how to write beginnings, and I'm sure you can guess what comes after how to write middles. (laughs) But um, before we get into the topic, just like every week, we're going to talk about what we did this week. Holly, you're first. Okay. Um, Again, another good week. Uh, Dead Man's Party. I've decreased the amount of words and I mentioned this again last week because I was running long and because if you start shortening scenes a little bit towards the end you accelerate the pace of the story for the reader so uh, I got but I still got more words than I was supposed to get Um, I got uh, 1101 words on Wishbone where I was shooting for 6,000 words I got 6,172 words and nice. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I am so excited about how that's coming together. I'm really happy with both of them, actually. Um, Aw, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I, I love the story that I'm getting with Dead Man's Party. I'm down to the last four scenes, I think. And Damn. oh my God, my main character is in such trouble. And my other characters, there's just so much stuff going on. It's so crazy. Um, and Wishbone. Um, my main character is in such trouble. <laughs> yeah, really, when are your main characters not in trouble, Mom? Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Um, but I am having an exciting time writing both of these, and I'm just having a ball. And uh, let's see, this week, week I also wrote How to Write a Novel Lesson 33, so I'm getting really close to the ending of that course, too. Damn. And, yeah, uh, it's How to Unstick a Stuck Story was this week, And it was pretty much the exact opposite of the lesson last week in that the processes you do are almost exactly opposite. And it was just, I didn't realize when I was putting the class together that it was going to work out that way, but it's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. That is neat. Yeah. It's also, um, I'd like to hear somebody say that lesson title like five times super fast. Oh God. Yeah. Stick a stuck story, yeah. Story, yeah. yeah. No, and, yeah. screw that. <laughs> <laughs> I stumble over sentences that are normal. <laughs> oh, oh, and uh, to take us back briefly to the hard drive zombies episode, um, I got rid of my hard drive, one of my hard drive zombies this morning. And uh, I'm going to let Becky tell you about that. <laughs> so over yeah. to you. This morning's been great. <laughs> Well, it's also been kind of sad. So I got the rights to the Ghost and Gremlins story that Mom had started, series, technically. Yeah, yeah, you got all four, the, the whole world building and all four uh, story starts and, and the first 30,000 words of the first book. Yeah, I, I, that is amazing. I love that. I, 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 like I said, when we were talking about it, it's like, I'm kind of sad because um, I don't get to see, to read your version of it, which, you know, since I was a teenager, I've wanted to read, yeah. you know, I just always wanted you to get back to it. But if it wasn't going to get written, then I would rather 
have it and and write it and that be something that we kind of did together you know in a way well see and that was the thing that when I woke up this morning and knew what I was gonna do it was that was it because when we were just talking about it yesterday and I had finished just breaking the entire thing and not realizing at the time that I had just broken the entire thing. Um, you had said, well, it would be really cool if we could take my world that I'm writing that's in kind of a similer thing and then connect it to that. Yeah. And yeah, I woke up I wanted this to morning. connect them both. <laughs> yeah. And I woke up this morning and thought, holy shit, it's perfect. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, this I'm actually really excited about that now because I I'm gonna go through all of the world building that you have done, mm-hmm. and add like the name because like what I told you before I just needed the name of the world, the name of the paranormal society, the group, and like one of the names of the characters. So I'm gonna find those three things, and I'm going to connect them to the you know the the group that I'm building now, which is in Glass House, but in Glass House, they're already established. So this is kind of like their story where, where they're just getting the paranormal society together. And I think by about book two or three is when Glass House will take place. Cool. So I'll be able, you know, and there's, I don't know how many books are going to be in this paranormal series that I'm writing right now. But there's probably going to be probably another, you know, seven or so. Mm -hmm. So they're going to intertwine. And then I can bring in Ghosts and Gremlins anytime I want because they're already an established paranormal society. Right. So this is really cool. Plus, (laughs) aren't they in North Carolina? Yes. Yes, they are in in my version of Laurenburg, North Carolina. Uh, Oh, yeah. And working out of the John Blue House. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. Okay. Well, um, then that works for me. <laughs> right. Well, you've been these places and you know the, the yeah. area really well. I mean, you were I mean, born I, there. You grew up there. Yep. I grew up there. Um, Mark and I had our first ghost experience there. Um, so that definitely works for me. Yeah. <laughs> so my week, just to say real quick, I am using how to write a novel. Um, but I'm using it differently than a beginner would go through the how to write a novel course. So the way that I'm using it is in my mind, never stop learning. Like if you stop learning, it's because you're dead. I think that you should, yeah, I think you should always, always be learning. So I'm using it as like just looking through a new way to do things. And I love the way that you have people create characters because, you get, I, I'm so used to the way that I create my characters, mm-hmm. but character creation for me has never exactly been a lot of fun. Um, like the stories, uh, if I interview characters, that's a lot of fun. Um, but I, I have not really always enjoyed creating the characters. It's always felt like a chore. Like, okay, like there's this list that you have to, to write down and you cover that in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience because it's like you realize, okay, well, I don't have to do it this way. You know, even yeah. though that's common freaking sense, it still taught, it still opened my eyes and I was like, oh, okay. So I did the characters your way and I got to say, it leaves a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. 
And my muse was ecstatic because when the character creation uh, lesson popped up, immediately I could feel that creative right side of my brain going, oh, God, okay, all right, well, it's a necessity. (laughs) Um, But when I did it, it's so light and yet so content-filled. It's it's taking out all the shit that doesn't freaking matter, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you need to know some of the other stuff, but you can discover that while you're writing. Exactly. Exactly. And it worked because I'm already up to lesson five yes. or six. Awesome. Um, because, again, I have the entire course. Um, I had it in my, in my well, up to what you're writing mm-hmm. because well, I yeah. added it to my um, account once you had created it. Mm-hmm. So I think I am up to whatever lesson you've, you've you know, let out or mm-hmm. released that would be 32 and, yeah so close to finish that's amazing oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um when uh, so i i've gone through everything i've done the plot or the artifact and the artifact surprised me because i thought i was going to make something smaller mm-hmm. um but the artifact turned out to be a house nice it was it was surprising so i started putting all of this detail in and immediately my muse started like that whole jumping up and down thing (laughs) and i was able to pull a story from the early to early to mid 2000s really um yeah it was it was something it was a screenplay originally then i wanted to make it a short story then i wanted to make it a novel because there was so much there and it has kept coming back to me over and over again and until you know i kind of just forgot about it and it was called the house on andrews ave and now i mean it might still be called the house on andrews ave i don't know (laughs) but it's going to be in fulton hills and everything just kind of meshed together and i was so freaking excited um and then i wrote like you and this is really weird for me i haven't plotted yet and i don't do that but um, I'm following the lessons right now. I might mix and match. And again, this is taking the How to Write a Novel course. As someone who's already written novels. Yes, yes. And has about 20-something years experience writing. Mm-hmm. twenty, Almost 25. So yeah. <laughs> quarter of a century. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, well, you started early. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. So when I started writing, um, I already had the basis of the antagonist done, but I didn't have like this full bio and I didn't have, you know, like this long sheet and all this shit. Mm -hmm. And um, I really did start figuring things out as you're writing, like the description of her kids. They they just, they they come out naturally. You know, you don't have to put all that crap in there. And then you can guess like, okay, well, if her kid looks like this, you know, and she's saying, well, you got daddy's hair, then (laughs) she doesn't look like that. And people, it gives more range for people to envision the characters in their head as whatever they want. Yes. But two, because I didn't fill her with all of this stuff and I followed your lesson when I was writing the scene, her and she's an antagonist and her she starts the very first scene of the book and her motivations for the rest of the book totally became absolutely 100% clear wow yeah and i i just i knew she was an antagonist i knew like she's kind of a a bully in a way mhm or she was in high school and 
just during that one scene with her kids in the morning and everything, um, I found out exactly why she does what she does, why she treats people the way she does, and why she is an antagonist in the entire book, why she needs the help of the paranormal society, but is also the bane of their existence during during the book. Awesome. Yeah, that oh. was amazing. I've never had a moment quite like that. I've had a lot of great moments and stuff, just as good, sometimes better. But for a single character without having written a bio in the very first scene that you meet them, um, that was amazing. And each book starts off with the haunting mm-hmm. as a pro as a prologue. So that's why the antagonist gets the very first scene of the book. I know it's not, you know. That's it, nice, it, though. Yeah. That is really nice. And, and yeah, I have discovered over the years that if you let your characters sh- show you who they are, you just kind of get out of their way and let them show you they will. And right away, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I, <laughs> that every the words flowed so easily and i mean and that's that's also a lot of that is experience and a lot of that is already having you know a certain amount of um control over the the left side of my brain Mm -hmm. so i have a lot of control over the the inner critic which is something that you get with experience Mm -hmm. um yeah but the I just, it was, it was a great first scene. And I, I know I'm going to have, you know, <laughs> weeks where it's not so great, but it was, it was eye opening, and it definitely changes the way from now on I do characters because if, if I can do so little pre-work on a character and have the character so bold and so already developed on the page and already coming out and telling me who she is and why she does this and why why I give a shit about her, uh-huh. even as an antagonist, um, that's powerful. Cool. So I had a fantastic week, got through a whole bunch of lessons, um, you know, did, so I think, like I said, I think I'm on six or seven. Damn. Yeah, you yeah. burned through. Yeah. Well, it is too, the, you know, fact that I have more experience, so some of the uh-huh. lessons were easier for me to handle or for me to do. Plus, I have more time than I think your average student would. Well, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that kind of works out well for both of us because I'm really interested to see what you're doing with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So anyway, that's the first, um, the first little bit for Fulton Hills um, that I am publicly, you know, like I've, I've never shared Fulton Hills before and it feels nice to have, uh, you and a whole group of, of people behind me while I write this. Yes. Uh, it's, it's special. So yeah, it's cool to be sharing this with the podcast because I've always been so secretive about Fulton Hills. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so let's get to the point of today's episode. It okay. is how to write middles. Yeah. So if you haven't, first and foremost, if you haven't listened to how to write beginnings, um, you probably want to do that. I know it's a longish episode, <laughs> but it is last week's, and that's the um, you know lesson. That's that's the first of this, I guess, three parter. Should be three parts unless we think right. of something else to add in. So let's get to how to write middles. All right. Um, first, let's talk about what middles are. Middles are for most writers the bane of their existence. In which, yes, in which after you come out strong with this great story idea, you hit the middle and everything dies. You're sitting there, you're going, oh my 
God, I can't think of anything for them to do next. So even when you plot it out. Oh yeah. Even when you plot it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you you have, God knows, I I wrote entire, um, not just line for scene outline, but short scene for long scene outlines. Um, what's called an extended outline, and I would get to the middle. And would just, my ass would just be dragging. It's like, I cannot possibly make myself do this. It's like climbing a mountain. Yeah. And, and there are ways that you get around that. And there are ways that you can make the, the middle something that you just can't wait to get up and do the next day. Or the, that morning, you roll out of bed going, hot shit, I get to go work on the middle again. So, but, so wait, wait, wait. It's, it's like running a marathon on crack instead of running a marathon healthy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> because the people who run the marathon, they say they hit a wall. Uh-huh. You know, there's that wall, and usually it's in the 20, 20s, the late 20s right. of the, the, yeah. Right. So, so yeah, like, you're doing this all amped up. <laughs> yeah. You got a little nitrous in you. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't have to hate the middle. is but But to not hate the middle, you have to get past the obstacles that make middles suck so badly when you're trying to write them. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today is, well, what are those obstacles? And then how do you get past them? Um, so yeah, um, I have a question. Sure. What are those obstacles and how do you get past them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> okay. Well, weak middles. The, the biggest obstacle with middles is that the majority of them are are thought through very weakly. Um, you go into a story with one idea and a weak middle continues with only that one idea. For example, um, all right, you, you are writing your uh, romance and the idea is that the, the male protagonist and the fe- female protagonist have an obstacle between them. And that obstacle is oh, his ex-wife or something. I don't know. Okay. So then you hit the middle and all you can think of is more problems with the ex-wife. You, but that's okay for short story. If you're writing longer, you need to have, you can't just have them on the same, at the same point for 500 pages. They can't be having the same struggle for 500 pages. It has to move past, okay, well, yeah, the ex-wife was the first obstacle. But then, um, turns out the ex-wife is pregnant and she says the baby is his. And he's denying it all to, you know, to, to everything. But no, no, she says, no, no, it's your baby. And he's going, it can't be. And she's going, yes, it can. Well, that's a horrible example. That's boring as hell to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had a problem. Um, and I, I feel like the um, leaving Wanda Lucia, mm-hmm. there was, that was one of the problems that I hit when I first, when I first wrote that. Um, Glass House, that was one of the problems that I hit when I wrote it. Um, now with leaving Wanda Lucia, I think that the male protagonist's, um, conflict was a little weak. Mm -hmm. So if I, 
you know, I might, I might be changing that. I might, you know, if I get it back and, um, you know, they want edits or something like that, I might kind of bring that up a little bit, maybe give him something else because in looking back and after having written, um, the second book with Brock and Angie, I was like, oh, I could do that so much better. Right. But that was one of the middle problems that I hit in Glass House. The only real obstacle I had them both facing was the house, but they're such rich characters and they have problems of their own besides the house that I completely neglected to add those conflicts in as well. So the more like um, you go through how to revise your novel or the more you write and the better you get, the more you start seeing these problems too. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely hit the middle we need a name for it, you know, the middle mountain or whatever. Yeah. Um, on both of those. Right. Right. And and that was, by the way, a very nice example. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Thank you. That, yeah, it's just that, that there is not enough. So you you want to look for ways to give your character more problems related to and building from an existing problem. Um the thing that popped into my mind with, with the example that I gave was that it turns out that she is pregnant with his baby, but it was from sperm she had stored. <gasps> Bingo. And that bitch. Yes, yes. She, she's evil. She is absolutely... I don't have no idea who this woman is. This stuff just popped straight out of my head, and all of a sudden, I hate this woman who doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> and this is, this is cool, too, because this shows you, like, you build a character into a corner... And you automatically start asking yourself, okay, well, how can this be possible? Mm-hmm. And you answer it. Mm-hmm. So, like, whatever whatever corner you build them into, there's an answer for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, and then, and then, because my mind is still on this thing, um, she, he, he says, no, that cannot possibly be mine. And... So then she says, well, yes, it is. And here's how it happened and lies about how it happened. <laughs> and he can prove because because of the date, he can prove that he was not where she says he was at the time she said he was. But the, the sperm thing comes back. So then they call in the sperm bank guy who has to testify and this gets oh, really, God. oh my God, yes, this, this just got ugly and blew up and all sorts this, of weird shit. This sounds like, this sounds like a soap opera episode. It does a little bit. <laughs> like, like not an episode, but like the whole thread, it just keeps going for like a year. Yes. Until one of them shoots the other one and somebody doesn't quite die, but it gets really bloody and horrible. Yeah, there's amnesia or something. Amnesia, yes. <laughs> oh God. So anyway, okay, so that one idea has to feed into other related but different ideas. And that's the demo for that. Now, weak middles also only have one emotional tone. And in the thing that I have just demonstrated, there is at that point only one emotional tone. We have evil bitch ex-wife and beleaguered husband. Okay, so to, to make the middle not suck... You have to know that there are days when you go in to work and you get to write something funny or you get to write something sweet and romantic or you get to write something that isn't this evil woman who is trying to break up a relationship. She doesn't want the guy back. She just wants to, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, she just wants to be the spoiler who really ruins the relationship he has. And yep. uh, so, it, it, good, good, good God, this thing keeps writing itself in my head. <laughs> this isn't even my kind of thing. No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. But so, so you give it a funny storyline where the guy and the woman that he wants to marry uh, are, were trying to build uh, a business together. They wanted to make their own homemade candy. And that's, yeah, see, that's sweet, right? Yeah, it's very sweet. Yes, and not just because it's candy. It's because it's they want to do this No, it's, yeah, it's together. homemade, and it's, yeah. and it's, you know, they're working together on it. And yeah. it's like, um, it made me think of when Tony... And I were making candles at the house that we were going to sell on Etsy, but they just didn't come out that great. Yeah. But it's so, he's so creative. He does candles and he does etching and he, and he knit some hats for me with the looms. Mm-hmm. And that's what it makes me feel like. So it's like I can relate to that part. Right. It's where you and your, your, your guy enjoy each other's company so much that you just want to be together and do stuff together and figure out how to make that pay. And I'm there, you know, that's so that was... So then you bring that part of, of this different emotional tone to what you're doing. Yeah, because you're lightening it up so it's not all of this uh, soap opera drama. Right. You're also bringing in, you're showing the point, first of all, you're showing why the reader should care about the two characters because you're seeing this beautiful side of both of them. Mm-hmm. And you see how well they work together and how much they want to spend their time, you know, not just, you know, their off time, but their work time. Their time, that they just want to be yeah. together. Yeah. And they are figuring out how to do that. And then there is the spoiler in the background who's trying to destroy that just to destroy it, just to be yep. the person who doesn't want to see this ex of hers ever happy. So then um, the third thing that weak middles struggle from is that characters are passive that they have things happen to them, that it is written from the point of view not of an active, vigorous, dedicated, focused character who has a desire and a a direction and is pushing forward and working towards something or fighting towards something or whatever. It's written from the point of view of a person who is sitting there as things happen around them. And this from you read a lot of first work you read a lot of of um beginner work and this is a common common thing common that that character that writers write the character who isn't doing the stuff and i can see kind of the mentality of it is that you think that all oh, all of this crap happens to my character, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. But there's got to be a reason that it's happening to them, right? Like they have to take part in it and make a choice. And the choice might have been the one you would have made as, as the reader. But oh shit, you know it it ended up causing more problems, right? You know something like that, right? Um, and also the character has to have done something initially to yeah make it happen. To be a part of it. To be a part of it from the very yeah. beginning. It, it A really good example is our hell. Yeah. Is is Faya? Uh, our hell, yeah. Because, 
Yeah, because she um, she was kind of a victim in that when she got home from, from going out of town, taking the sheep up to the mountain, she got the feeling something was wrong. She headed home. She got home, discovered this horrible situation. Horrible. It was terrifying. I mean, yeah. because when she left, she saw this guy on the road. Mm-hmm. And you know she went to do the sheep thing felt like something was was wrong came home and it turns out that he not that he was a bad guy right he was a sick guy yeah you know yeah and everybody's dead and it was absolutely horrifying when you read it because it was a plague you know Mm -hmm. and it was it just i that's why i'm saying like your writing was great even back then because you definitely got the feeling of everything but yeah, so something happened, but she took action. She did. She took so much action that she tanked the magic in the the magic city, the center of magic in her on her little island. Um, yeah, her on her don't, bigish English yeah. England size island. Yes, um, <laughs> she she tanked the magic. She it just stopped working because she used up so much of it at once, in her rage and fury and and not setting any sort of limits on what she was doing, um, and and melted what was left of the village in sort of a funeral pyre kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah terrifying her the one other survive the only other survivor of the sickness yeah in the meanwhile but yeah that that was that was her taking action and it was a massive action yeah. and it was relatable and it's what got her involved in everything else so right. you can have something happen to a character that they didn't take action like to cause like i think that's how most books start is something happens mm-hmm. that they don't start right and then it's how they respond. Right. And and it was yeah, she's she was active even in the very beginning in that she was really yeah. glad to be getting out of town. Yeah, everybody, she was leaving. Yes, everybody else was was doing doing oh, weaving yeah. and sewing and stuff and and she detested that. She was she liked to be out in the outdoors and taking the sheep up to the pasture and so let me ask a question yeah. is that her being active be, but it wasn't her making an actively different decision because she always took the sheep right she's or the herd she's right. always the one that takes the herd so it wasn't anything different no but she was active in in the beginning right. it's just it wasn't like an active choice that sets the book up right 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 no it was that was she was supposed to go up there and the two guys who also for their families took sheep <laughs> yeah uh-huh were exactly were going up to the pasture too and they had their plans and uh then they didn't show up and yeah. that was when she now, her action wrong. did keep her alive right right she yeah, was a little so. earlier leaving yeah. uh, just by you know maybe a couple of days but well, yeah, because she saw the guy walking on the road, right. so he was there. Yeah. yeah, and she was just lucky she didn't catch it from that little passing thing. But yeah. what happened was that her mom took him in and tried to nurse him back to health and caught it first, and then everybody yeah. else caught it. Mm. Yeah. 
So back to the middles, mm-hmm. what's next? Uh, so you're talking about passive choice, passive. Passive, right. A- yeah. Passive is when you're not, when your character is having things happen to them that that they did not do something to bring to fruition. They had no, it just sort of shit is raining on their heads and they're victims. And there is, that doesn't create a story. That doesn't create a narrative. So taking the same example, mm-hmm. let's say our Helen Fea. Yeah. Let's say she doesn't take this action, doesn't set everything on fire and drain the magic from the world. Mm-hmm. She just, you know, she's there, everybody's dead. And then the government comes in because it was a plague and tries to quarantine everything and takes her and the one survivor and locks them up. Mm-hmm. And they're in there and locked up and things keep happening like that. Right. Where she's not taking any action to do anything. I think that at first it might be a little bit interesting to see, you know, how badly this can turn but if the character isn't doing something right you you lose interest as a reader you're just reading this stuff and you're wondering you're sitting there frustrated and angry and like okay when is she gonna fucking do something right you know right and again like you're saying that creates such a weak middle that you're you don't know where to go and it becomes this kind of frustration on your end as well exactly and and it's a frustration for someone who's trying to read it too. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, yeah, some that's... some books actually get published like this. Yes, yes, and it's very frustrating to read, especially with romances. It, the the you know less expensive ones, the the smaller ones. When you read them, it's constantly stuff happening to the girl, and you're supposed to feel bad. Mm-hmm. But you end up being frustrated because you're like, bitch, do something. <laughs> you know, you're so, you understand to a certain extent because, yeah, life happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. But you're you're reading a book. There's shit all the time that shit happens to people that you don't want it to happen to you. That's not why you read. No, no, you're, <laughs> you, you have to own the the thing you have to say okay well god damn it yes i was in an earthquake and i'm going to get my ass out of bed this morning and i'm going to go and clean up rubble yeah <laughs> that's i am not going to sit there and and complain and rock back and forth and and be you know because and you know that you, me, you that get a certain actual... amount of time with where you can do that yeah you know because that's that's a traumatizing event but but (laughs) but i pull that from my own experience because i was in the guatemala earthquake in 1976 yeah and uh we were 12 miles from the epicenter and we woke up at three o'clock in the morning with my sisters in my bed slamming back and forth into opposite walls together and she was sleeping through it she was just (sighs) fucking sound asleep she could do that yeah she could she could sleep yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Clearly. Because yeah, if it she sounded through that major earthquake. Yeah, it sounded like the end of the world. It was it sounded like a train was on top of you. And every animal in Chikimula was screaming. You could hear roosters and horses and, and there were a lot of animals, cows and everything. Everything Terrifying. was doing its version of a scream. And people were screaming and I grabbed her and dragged her out of bed and dragged her to the door with the the beds slamming back and forth from wall to wall in this roar of the earth moving. And the 
the fucking wind lock on the outside of the door, which kept the, these little screen doors from slamming open and shut because it was an open corridor in this adobe house, um, had fallen down. So I yelled, and my mom came and unlocked the door, and I dragged my sister out. And we got out of the house and waited, and the ground eventually stopped moving, and then there were these aftershocks for days. But we got up the next morning, and we started cleaning up the mess. <laughs> Good God, yeah. And well, especially with your parents, you probably, after they stopped being so cool and started being super lame, you, you probably had like no time to like, like just kind of chill. <laughs> it was probably like, oh, nope, time for work. Well, no, that, that, that was just, it was just, I needed to do something. I needed to move. I couldn't. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. that was, it was, and oh God, it was, that was weird because, I mean, we got back to the United States, their their jobs died at that point. And oh, then damn. We got sent, we went back to the United States, which was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Really good. <laughs> and um, I ended up at about a mile from a strip mine. And they you were using dynamite to strip mine. And I was sound asleep on the couch and the dynamite from the strip mine struck the floor just a little bit, shook the floor just a little bit. And I was outside in Ohio in the winter in my bare feet before I even realized what had happened. And yeah. it was like, what, six, seven months later, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> with that, with, like, the difference between the passive and the active during the middle like but you're talking about throughout the entire book right, right. in the beginnings as well right beginning, middle at the beginning in the middle the the character your main character must be active i mean there can be times when the character is physically constrained if that's necessary you know that is locked up in a prison or something but the character cannot be sitting there whining or waiting the character has to be plotting and planning and looking for angles and and thinking about ways to get out of this and looking for any possibility and coming up with plans and trying plans like the count of monte cristo yes oh that was a great book i loved that yeah. book it's fascinating. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, that was wonderful. It really was. So, okay, so then um, there is one other thing. Um, weak middles live off stage. And what this means is that you have people who are sitting in a room talking about what they did yesterday. Okay, instead of being yesterday and them doing it. You have, I had a lot of problems with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that is mind-numbingly common, and I had a problem. I had a ton of problems with that too. That was where my much, 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 much too much exposition thing came from. Was people talking about what had happened previously rather than just doing the thing that they were talking about? Yeah, I read your. I read your, so I must be on level, or uh, lesson seven, because that was lesson six, right? The ED problem. <laughs> okay, now, I don't know, because I'm on lesson 33 now. And oh, right, so you're so far out of it right now. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, um, you were telling the story about the Quakers in space. Oh, God. Yeah, that's them. Yeah. And I actually uh, learned from that that the Quaker Oats guy was literally a Quaker. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Never <laughs> had no interest. I just had no idea why it was. I thought that was just a brand name. So 
<laughs> learn something every day. But yeah. the um the the story that you had, it was basically world building. You had world built and then you had sent it in as a story. Yes. So no wonder there was so much exposition. And you even asked, like, what what's wrong with what you've read so far? And I was like, oh, this is the problem. And you scroll down and, yep, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. That was funny. But, yeah, so too much too much of yesterday, what happened yesterday. And I used to have a big problem with that because it's, it's not even just characters sitting around talking. It can be a character thinking, like, um, actively doing something. But the interesting thing happened previously and they're thinking about it while they're doing something else well that show right just just write the interesting thing as it's happening yeah yes (laughs) and and oh my god i had the worst time learning that it's it's hard it is for some reason it is a difficult thing to realize that you're messing up yeah because it seems like hey wow i'm thinking okay i am sitting in my head right now with my hands on the keyboard, and I'm thinking about something interesting that's happening. So therefore, that must be interesting. No. No. Yeah. You, want, you want to see it happen. You want to be there as it happens. Exactly. As a reader. Yeah. And, and, and honest to God. So, and I will still occasionally catch myself doing that. See, now that makes me feel better. Yeah. Because I, I did that with uh, a, a lot of the glass house. I was wrapping stuff up and I would catch myself and I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. This is this is showing, not telling. Come on, get right. with it. Right. Right. And that and, is what showing, not telling means. It and we means, have a whole episode on that yeah, too. Well, anybody, that's true. You know, but, if you want, you can go back. Yeah. But but for folks who haven't haven't gotten that yet, that that is the quick sum up right there. If they're sitting there thinking about something cool that happened yesterday, fix that. All right. So now strong middles therefore run several ideas, and it really helps if if you do this little exercise that I like, which is okay. Let's give them something bad that happens. Um, Give me something bad that could happen to a character. Hey guys, this is Rebecca. I just wanted to take a quick moment to go over something that we have mentioned many times on the podcast, but often at the end. And we have a lot of people messaging me on Facebook and and saying things like, well, I didn't know how to get in touch with you. You can create an absolutely 100% free account at hollyswritingclasses.com. It's, there's no sales pitches all over the place. There's no advertisement. There's not invasive marketing. Holly is very much against all of that crap. <laughs> she has created a community of people who are there that are supporting other writers. And it, it's always been important to her back in the 90s when she had created, uh, 80s and 90s when she had created a writer's group. And then the 90s and the early 2000s when she was doing forward motion. And then she has, you know, good, <laughs> so many free articles on hollylyle.com. That's hollylisle.com. Those are, there's so many free writing articles on there as well. And this podcast, 100% free, you know, you, there's no obligation to support us. And we do appreciate the people who do support us. But I wanted to let you know that there are other free things available. There's free support. You go into the hollyswritingclasses.com, you create your free account, and you have tons of other writers. Some of them are at your level. Some of them might be below your level. Some of them might be above your level. And we're all there. It's a community to help. 
And as well, I wanted to mention that if you join hollyswritingclasses.com, you get a free class. It is a free flash fiction course. I know we've mentioned this before, but again, we mentioned this stuff at the end. And I know that a lot of people, as soon as they hear, oh, I guess that's, that's the end of our episode. Well, they're going to click off and go to the next thing. It's understandable. I just wanted to let you guys know there is a free course. So you, by the end of the course, if you do the work, you have something that you can sell. You can start making money without spending anything. It is how to write flash fiction that does not suck. It is a three week course. I have used it. I have sold stuff. Uh, my mother has obviously, you know, she used it to, to prove the point that, you know, you can do this. Other people have used it. And I am creating something now, as a matter of fact, to prove under a name, my own name, that I have not used RM Gallardo. I'm creating a flash fiction course to show people that, yes, you can actually sell flash fiction using this course. And it is free, 100% free. You get it when you join and you get the community. There's no obligation to buy any courses or anything like that. Obviously, if you want to support Holly and you want to support your own writing career, she has a shop. But give the site a shot because it's not invasive ads. We, we don't constantly email you with a whole bunch of marketing stuff. You can actually sign up for different emails that you want to receive from Holly if you're interested in her other courses and stuff. There's really nothing like this out there in the internet <laughs> as far as I know. So I just wanted to take a minute in the middle of this podcast to let you guys know about yet more free stuff that you can get from Holly. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Something bad that happened to a character. Something yeah, just, bad that happened to a character. Out okay. of, yeah. I'll take something from this morning. Um, so I was giving Thea and Ollie catnip, but let's just say that a character bought catnip from a weird new age store and gives the the catnip to the cat and it's it's acting like it normally would, going crazy, and then something something strange happens to the cat. So what could that be? Maybe it's got some sort of it can talk or um Nice. It can talk and maybe it, it starts growing bigger <laughs> and it's hungry. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes. Okay, so it gets bigger. It gets bigger and chatty. Yeah, and hungry. And hungry. And it, feed me, human, feed now. Feed me, human, now. Yes. No, no, no dry food. Okay. No wet food. So then you build off of that. Okay, so now you have a talking cat that's bigger and and a little demanding as cats can be exactly yes so it fits yes but it wants raw meat it doesn't want the the cat food anymore and now that it can talk it can express that it's not happy with your previous choices in <laughs> cat food okay so so your budget just got screwed so <laughs> now you have to do something to make money to feed the cat so uh, it doesn't eat you so it doesn't eat you and uh, so then, uh, but but the cat does love you, and so you hope yes yes, yes. well you know because <laughs> it's it's one of your guys it's one of your little sweet little, little yeah well little. I just always remember Matt saying that if it was reversed that if the cat was the bigger one and you were the tiny thing that the cat would eat you. <laughs> well, which I, I was always saying no, that's not true. No, it, it depends on the cat. Yes. And yeah. the relationship you have with it. Yeah. Right. 
Right. You know, that's that's people who have tigers and raise tigers. Um, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. tigers do not eat them. And the tigers weigh 600 pounds and the people weigh about maybe 150, 200. So, you know, no, that's it just it depends on the relationship you have. But yeah. yeah. But then you but now build... you have this this cat that. Yeah. So you, I guess you'd have to just find out all the different problems you could have. Yeah. With a magic. Right. With a magic cat talking and... cat. You know, obviously, uh, you own YouTube at this point <laughs> because you put your cat on YouTube and show. Yeah. And then the government's going to come and take your kitty. Yeah, they might do that. Okay, so then you have to deal with the government, and then the cat has to break out of the government, and you have to figure out how to help him do that. And, you know, and then he does eat somebody, which is going to cause some problems. Yep. Okay, so that is, you know, I know that's a really goofy demo, but that is that strong middles run on several ideas, not just, well, you know, this thing happens. But this thing happens, and this thing causes consequences that make this other thing happen, and these three other things off in other directions happen, like um, the character, the main character falls in love with a government agent who starts then working to help her help Hide the cat. The cat. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, and then, and then something else happens where one of the neighbors hates her. And so the neighbor becomes a spy for the government trying to, and, and so then all of this other, all of these other pieces come together and move your story forward in a lot of different ways so that the reader is constantly wondering, wow, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And you can still throw in there like, um, they're trying to find they want to turn the cat back so they're trying to find the new age store but it's disappeared so they're trying to find the owner they're trying to find any information there to see if they can help reverse it or what the fuck was in that shit (laughs) and then maybe also she is employed and has to pay for her rent so she still has to go to work she still has to or she has issues with work you know there's there's a lot of different ways that you can complicate this poor woman's yes, life. Yes, she could fix a lot of those issues at work by having a take your cat to work day. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm seeing myself in that position now. Yeah. It would be that now see that would be hilarious and it would be a really good way to um kind of get relate with retail because I've dealt with retail before. Um it would be a really cool way to, because managers never care. They don't care if you're sick. They don't care if there's uh, seven feet of snow. It's, so you're coming in today. So, (laughs) so, hey, I'm coming in. Here's my cat. And the cat's this big, hungry, talking cat. That would be the the one time when the manager's like, you know what? Take a week off. It's cool. (laughs) Paid. Yeah. Paid. We're going to pay you to stay away. (laughs) Well, we'll just count this as um, uh, extra holiday pay. You've you've been a good worker. You earned it. Yes. (laughs) Said no Um, retail manager ever. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. So, and with that, that moves us very neatly to the next point. Strong middles run the emotional gamut where you've got the, the, the funny parts with take your cat to work day, where you've got the scary parts where they're hiding from government agents who are coming after them, where you've got the romantic parts where this one government agent and she are falling in love, where you've got, so you're, you're bringing all different angles of human experience into one story. 
And got to have the cat lady moments too. Oh yeah, you got to have, have those. Yes, yeah. where she is, she and her big weird cat are cuddling, and he's trying to sit on her lap, and he's really yes. too big. That's what I was gonna say. Or he he does the head butting. Oh, and his off. head is huge and it hurts, <laughs> yeah. and he wants to lick her face, but he's literally licking her entire face you know there's so much humor and sweetness in that yeah and it's all that's that's relatable and stuff too and you have that cat you have that that enormous cuddly wants to hug you you actually have two of them yeah i have thea is big but and you know she's a big old lady now (laughs) she's on a diet but the um then then you have also got where he wants to play Mm-hmm. but he's too big you know so that there's this sweet sadness to it too and i think that that builds up to he just wants to be a regular cat again yeah. so it gives you that extra motivation to okay well we need to fix this there's just there's so much with that story like you're saying it's got the emo- all of the emotions yeah yeah it does and, and my mind goes immediately to tragedy so i'm gonna back off from that because that is yeah. a fun story yeah. right there right now i like that okay we don't need your disney bambi stuff yeah none of my disney bambi. good god <laughs> <laughs> um okay so that is strong middles live in action and again the little demo that we put together here has people doing things, has the cat doing things, has the cat having its own agency in what it wants to do, in what it wants to be. And being able to tell its owner, this isn't what I want to be. Yeah. So, you know, and that... Don't cry. (laughs) No, that is kind of sweet and heartbreaking in its own way that the cat knows this isn't what it wants. It wants to be a cat. Yeah. It wants to be a little cat. It wants so. to be what it was before because it wasn't almost killing its owner, just wanting to play. Yeah. You know? And I like that, too, because it goes back to that, you know, we shouldn't be messing with um, with nature. There's <laughs> that sort of undercurrent that, you know, the genetically modified animals and all this other stuff, it can, it can kind of go with that if that's what you believe. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on how you want to bring it across. Right. There are a multitude of different ways to tell the story. Yeah. And like you say, a hundred different people could write the same story and have a hundred different tones, a hundred different voices, a hundred different, you know, it, it could turn into a fable for somebody. It can turn into like um, a horror story for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You went to tragedy. I went to super fucking happy ending you know, like that was my thing was Uh immediately. It's just a happy ending. So that takes us then we've done the live in action thing. Strong middles happen on stage. And again, this is taking that weak middles live off stage thing where you are having your character think about what they did yesterday and then moving the scene to yesterday and writing it as it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, that's a good, that's a good example too, because I would I would hate to have any of this happen off off stage. Because if if let's say the government agent came back to whatever cave or whatever house that they're hiding in, mm-hmm. and he tells her what happened, what what he snuck out, you know, oh I snuck these out. No, I want to see the action right. of him almost getting caught, and she tells him, oh the cat tried to play with me today and almost swiped my face off. No, you want. <laughs> to be there and see it because you're going to feel it that way right 
And that is a very good demo for why some stories have to be told from two points of view. If you have two characters who have to be in different places at different times doing different things that are mission essential, you have to be able to show from those two different points of view. It is one of the things that makes it very challenging writing Cadence Drake because Cadence Drake is a single point yeah. of view thing. And there are times when it is very tempting to want to get inside Herrig's head um, or inside of Storm Rat's head or inside of Wire's head and to write from those different points of view. And I have to figure out how to show the scenes from Katie's point of view because that particular thing, it is essentially a hard-boiled detective in space. And those yeah. are always told from the point of view of the detective. Uh, well, the, the pro is that it's easier to hide things from the reader, but the con is yes. that it is very difficult to, to show certain things. Right, right. And, you know, every kind of writing has its own unique challenges. If you are writing multiple points of view, it is in not losing track of your multiple points of view, in keeping people in the right places at the right times, in not having time-lapse desynchronization um, in not making impossible things happen and in not breaking characters and not breaking your suspense by having by showing things you really really needed to keep hidden yeah um in when you're writing a hard-boiled detective and you've got the one point of view that's easy to hide stuff it is hard to show stuff yeah so um, there are five essential things you want to stay focused on. Number one is you have your character try many solutions to the story problem. And the easiest way to do this is to focus on hurting your character by having the character try things and having them not work and having them not work in interesting and occasionally exploding fashion. So this is where I have a lot of fun writing my books is I have characters who are working very hard to get out of their problems and things don't work and things don't work in interesting ways. Um, and this is, this is where you have to be a little mean. You cannot be kind to a character if you are a novelist. You want, you, you want to because you like your characters, at least the ones you don't want to kill off. Yeah. And even them. But <laughs> even them, but, but you cannot be kind. You have to be mean. You have to yeah, do that. I, I was reading a, a book, um, Darcy something, uh, Craven, Craven Manor by Darcy Coates, I think. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a haunted house story. And the main character, I just want, he, he basically, he gets this job as a groundskeeper for um, a mansion that seems to be abandoned. And I just wanted him to be able to just be the groundskeeper because he'd had a rough enough life. He seemed happy there. And I was like, oh, I could read this forever, sort of, but not. I just wanted him to be happy. And I, I realized that's good writing. If, if when you're reading, you're happy to see the character happy. Yes. And you don't want something bad to happen to the character. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, and you know it's going to, but you still want want him to be okay. And you will yeah. hang in with this character you love 
as a reader through awful things happening just because you want him to be okay. And at the end, you know, you really need for him to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, if the, if the writer wants you to come back for the next book, you really have to give the reader a bone, you know? Give yeah. him, hand him, hand him that little piece of cake at the end of the thing where, okay, it, it, yeah, this has been horrible and he's suffered so much, but hey, he got the girl, he got the job, he got the job done, and now he has his own little paid-for groundskeeper cabin, and and he he just, all he has to do now is just keep the grounds, and it's gonna be okay. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That, that's uh, but there there's no romance involved, which I liked. But the the book was really I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was. And, and I liked the character. And that's the thing is like, if you can make a character likable, and it, it could have been also some of it I was related, you know, I felt related to the character, or I felt I could relate to the character in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. But if, if you can make the character, if you can make the reader not want anything bad to happen to your character, even though that's the point of the book. Right. Um, you're, you're you're doing well. <laughs> right. That is exactly it. That and that yeah, is. Yeah. So you a, have to be mean. Yeah, you have to be mean, but make make the person you're being mean to someone that you don't want to be mean to. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I have to be really mean to the antagonist that I created, and um, at first I was fine with it because she was a bully, but now I don't. Now I feel bad because I know her motivations. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be mean to the antagonist. But. And that's the way it needs to be. You need to be writing characters you care about. You. Th- so this is this is a really screwed up job. It is yes. because you have to create people you love, and then you have to hurt them on the way to giving them the thing that they want at the end. And you know, if you if you dislike your characters, your readers will too. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to dislike certain characters, mm-hmm. but it's better if, if there is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of likable in, in even, in even bad guys. Right. Right. That's, that's, that is a huge thing to keep in mind. One of my bad guys in the Matron series, not the biggest of the bad guys, um, ended up Letting the good guys go when he knew he he could have gotten them, he he let them go, in order to save his daughter. And saving his daughter cost him everything, but she survived, and his enemies survived. And if he had gone the other way, his enemies would have died, but she would have died too. And it wasn't they were these were two separate things, and he had to choose. And yeah, in that, that moment that made for a really powerful moment and you understood his motivation at the end was a good one right and that's that's kind of the cool thing about putting a little bit of humanity even in 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 your evil characters yeah because he was a genuinely bad guy but there was this moment in which he was redeemed because he made a choice to save something rather than to destroy something and in saving something, he saved a lot of other somethings too. <laughs> it just happened to work out that way, but he saved what mattered to him. And that's always, always the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is there? Number two is make sure that most solution attempts 
fail. And you want to do them these in order from as best you can while you're writing. You can always fix it in revision from, from least attempt to biggest attempt prior to the one that works. They, you have to be trying, your character has to be trying harder, try, getting smarter, doing bigger, better things. And these bigger, better, smarter things still don't work. And okay, so, so the first for the cat, so the first option would be waited out. Nothing right. happens. Right. And then you keep trying different things until let's say that the government has found the catnip stash that she had at her house and stuff and they take it and they try and they're trying to recreate it. And the government agent sees it and kind of figures if you can reverse it, you've got the antidote. But they, they've already created what, what they could, you know, the reverse of it. Mm-hmm. So he steals the antidote and gives it to the cat and something else bad happens. So let's say that the, the cat gets even bigger. Right, right. So then what do you do? And, you know, obviously for that, the, the what you do is going to be somehow you're going to have to find and track down this magic shop and the magic yep. owner somehow. And that somehow is going to be, is going to involve government agents and people being changed into cats or some some weird yeah, ass something thing really weird yeah. yes but but the thing that finally works the last thing you try has to be the biggest baddest scariest most dangerous thing of all and that thing will be the thing that works it can't be an easy solution oh my god all we had to do was plug that in Really? Yeah, or or we found the the lady and and she she had the antidote on her, mm-hmm. or she had the the magic you know pill that that fixes it. Oh, you bought you bought the catnip without the the um, catnip whatever the, the thing that's supposed to go with it. Yeah, right. yeah, so yeah, without the cat toy. <clears throat> yeah, no, right, no, that you no, know, there are no easy answers in fiction. If you just gave somebody an easy solution. That is a fail. It has to be a hard solution. It has to be something they work for and bled for and cried for and crawled across broken glass, dragging themselves by, by their lips for to get to the thing that is finally going to work. And when it works, the reader's going, yes, yes, yes. Oh, please, yes, 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 yes. Let this work, yes. And then it does. And you win and the reader wins and the cat wins. Yeah, the cat wins. That's the important yes, part. Yes, you have saved the cat. all right so uh and that does say that 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 covered number three too which is hurt your mc your main character in some way with each failure each failure has to mark your character in some way has to leave a bruise has to leave a scar has to leave and it doesn't have to be a physical scar but it has to be how am i going to move on from this Um, Okay, number four, you let your MC learn something from each failure that directs towards the next attempted solution. And this is, okay, well, we tried planting catnip seeds and they won't grow in dirt. Can't do that. Okay, we tried um, just boiling a little bit of the catnip in water and trying to feed that to the cat. We tried locating the store. We tried this thing and that thing. And every single thing you think, okay, well, if, if this didn't work, maybe 
this next thing, which is based on what I know from these previous things, maybe this next idea will be better. And the next idea needs to be better. It just doesn't need to be right yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you raise the stakes with each failure. And that was what you were talking about. Well, okay, we did get this government version of the catnip and we gave it to the cat and it just made the cat bigger. Yeah, it was the government, the government's first attempt to get the antidote, you know, because they want to be able to control whether, you know, what happens. Right. So, of course, the government would have something that is doing the opposite. But, yeah, apparently that didn't work. Right, exactly. And now the cat has hands and can light matches and turns out to be a bit of a fire starter. And, yeah, I've done that before, I know. But it's just, I've, have you ever seen a cat sitting looking at an open flame? Yeah. They're going... Man, I could do something with that if I just had thumbs. Yeah, I, it, it always makes me nervous when we light candles in the house mm-hmm. because I accidentally have had two cat's tails catch on fire in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, Beezer, we have... Beezer was the first one. <laughs> God, yes. Uh, so, so that is what you do with your middles. And... Um, I don't really have anything extra to add to the, to that. Do you? No. Was that the takeaway? No, that was not the takeaway. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think um, middles are just, they're so difficult if you don't plan enough conflict. Mm-hmm. But if you're planning enough conflict on either end, it makes it a lot easier. And I learned, I guess you just keep learning this. And you keep getting better at it because the second book in the Wanda Lucia series was so much easier because I knew I had all of these different conflict levels, you know, going on. Right. You know, that it it became harder to write less. Yeah. Yeah. That's And this does become second nature I, it, this does not make you bulletproof yeah. you know the, the you can be writing forever and ever and ever and still do dumbass things in your book um the the advantage of having written forever and ever and ever is when you go back through and revision you'll spot them you'll go oh my yeah. god i actually have her sitting at the table drinking tea thinking about what she did yesterday what the fuck why did I do that? No. And then you fix it. But, but you know, you don't recognize these as massive errors when you're first starting out, but you do after you've been doing it for a while. So it, this does, even when you screw up, it does get easier to fix it. And sometimes you can catch it while you're writing the scene too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> That's my, not right. There, this, is, this is a tip off. My character is sitting at a table with a beverage. <laughs> or my character is standing in a shower daydreaming or my character is sitting on a front porch on a swing rocking back and forth yeah i had <laughs> one scene that i don't think i cut from leaving one to lucia where she's on the back of a bike mm-hmm. with the love interest driving her home and she was but she was she was thinking about the stuff that was already in there and ma- trying to make a decision and I was like, oh, I don't like that scene. I need to fix yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. Um, if your character is brushing her teeth and the toothbrush does not attempt to strangle her, you are wasting a scene. <laughs> so, you know, just saying. There are certain things that they don't have a place in fiction unless something really 
really compelling is going to happen right then, right there. She is, I have a character getting out of the shower in one of my published books. And, um, you know, it was oh, a yeah. standard shower. She gets out of the shower and she's looking at the steam in the mirror. And all of a sudden writing appears on the mirror in the steam. Okay. That is a reason to give a character a shower. You know what's funny? I've read how many of your books, and as soon as you said, I have a character getting out of a shower, I knew which one you were talking about. What are the odds of that for most book, for most writers? <laughs> you have to have something very interesting happen to a character for you to, for a reader to remember exactly which book, exactly what happened, mm-hmm. exactly when in the story it happened as the paramedic um, storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. see you. Yeah, no, I see you was 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 it I see you? Mm-hmm. For some reason no, Last Girl Dancing was the one I was um I was thinking I see you was named. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't the, know why. But I see you, yeah, that's the the paramedic one. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the it is just a coincidence that it sounds like the letters I see you. It's actually I S E E Y O U. I see yeah. you. The, yeah. The medical why, unit the I see you. Oh, I see you. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, intensive critical unit or yeah. whatever. Yeah, intensive okay. care. Yeah, intensive care. That's the one. Yep. So just, just a weird because I did not pick that title. That was not my title, but. Um, oh yeah, it, it was kind of a lame title, so I kind of thought you did pick it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am renowned for my sucky titles. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. yeah, most of the good ones are what Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Yeah, so give us the takeaway for this one. All right. Well, our takeaway here then is this. Good middles hurt the characters we love, put them at risk, leave them desperate, afraid, trapped, and not knowing what will happen next. And if you can do that in your middle, you've nailed it. Nice. Nice. All right. All right. Well, that has been our episode on middles. And it is the middle episode in a three-parter. So, well, let's <laughs> yes. think. We, we might have something else to throw on on the end there. I'm, I'm not sure yet. But hopefully it's a three-parter. Yes. So, so cliffhanger yeah. here, guys. What's yeah. the next episode going to be? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I already made that joke. So I, you, had to, you had to corny it up. Thanks. Well, so, you can yeah. eliminate mine. It doesn't have to be. No, no. I'll keep it in there. <laughs> Show people how corny you are. Um, so, yeah, that is our episode on middles. And you can follow us on um, the socials at AIARWIP. And that is on uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. If you would like to support the the podcast, we have a coffee account that is ko-fi.com slash alone. And that just, you know, you just basically it's a, it's a buy me a coffee kind of thing it's in increments of three dollars every single dollar you know helps us a lot there's also a way to donate that you don't have to use co- coffee.com um you can go to alone with invisible people.com which is our website and on the right hand side there are three tiers to support the podcast on a um like a one-time basis and you can that that's just right through paypal if if you're more comfortable with that if you would like to support holly you can go to co i say ko-fi for some reason you can go to yeah coffee.com again that's k-o 
hyphen fi.com slash Holly Lyle. It's all one word and the last name is spelled L-I-S-L-E and you can support her. We both have our goals listed on the pages so you can see what we're working on at the moment. And uh, the, the other really great ways to support Holly are go on Google or Amazon or DuckDuckGo or whatever it is you use, <laughs> Barnes and Noble, uh, just look up her fiction. And again, the, the name is L-I-S-L-E and you can find all sorts of stuff. She's got a huge backlist. You can also support her by uh, buying any of her courses. If you, you know, want to take a look at the clinics that she has, they're, what uh, what some of the other the bigger the middle courses there's subtext learning how to write subtext into your your fiction and dialogue mm-hmm. yeah dialogue that's with uh, how to write dialogue with subtext yeah um title cover copy which is if you well yeah explain that yeah if you if you don't have any way the the place you start promoting your work is is hard. Oh my God, it's hard. And there are seven zillion things that you have to, you eventually are going to have to do. But if you don't do the first three right, uh, as I have proven to myself numerous times now, um, (laughs) everything else is wasted effort and wasted money. You have to get a good title, you have to get a good cover, and you have to have good copy. And getting these is um, difficult. So I have a little workshop on how to do the basics of that. And then once you have the basics down, then you can expand to other people's bigger courses and a bunch of other things. And, you know, this is something that people hit. But if you don't have those things first, just, that's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not going to, nobody's going to find you. Nobody and, will find and you. Nobody's, and if they do, nobody's going to care because you don't have the title cover copy. <laughs> right. So yeah, there, there's, there's those classes. And then there's the big ones, you know, how to think sideways, how to revise your novel. There's just these, these courses that range from $10 on up and everything. I, I feel like it's, there's so many different aspects of writing that as you get more into it, you realize that you're having issues with this or with that. It's always been lucky for me that, you know, she's been my mom, so she's always helped me. But there's she's so many people out there that she's helped. So many people that are published now um, because they went through her courses is a, is a big part of what helped them get published. So, you know, if, if you want to support her that way, you're also supporting yourself in being able to to write better and to take these classes and to, to learn and enjoy yourself. We would love for you to join us with a free account. It is hollyswritingclasses.com. You can go in, you get a free course right away. It's a three-week course. It's how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck. And at the end of that course, you actually have something, if you do the work, that you can publish. It's 10 flash fiction stories? 10, 10. I think, yeah, there's a, like the optional 11th story for people who wanted to just go that little yeah, extra mile. Yeah, give that extra mile. Um, yeah. Or, but, well, flash fiction, so that extra 10 feet. <laughs> extra 10 feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I guess that that is it. Uh, We would love to see what you say about the middles. Come on in. Holly'sWritingClasses.com. Look for the podcast, Alone in a Room with Invisible People Forum, and start talking to us. Yes. Tell us what your problem with the middle is. I I would really love to see what kinds of, of stuff you guys come up with from using this. You know, what, what changes, what did you, what did you change from what you're doing now from what you found out in this episode? That yeah, would what, just... what would you do to the cat? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to know what, what other people would do. How would you save the cat? Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's it for me. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. And yeah, thank you so much for being with us and joining us and just realize that you can absolutely do this.